Julia, you're at the Palladium. She's seeing Richard Ashcroft right now. I'm so stoked for her. Uh, and ironically, you don't have to see this again because this is the same exact show that we did last night. So uh, me and me and Julia, we did this show last night, and um, it's about Star Trek. And we had some some Klingon interference at the very end, the, the last like three minutes of the show. Uh, it, it completely wiped out. So the time difference there, it's, it's about 11 o'clock here in London. It's uh, probably about 7. So in saying that, Julia will be seeing Richard Ashcroft in probably like two hours or so. So that's awesome. Cheers to that. And it feels really funny doing this not late at night, you know, because I've just kind of woke up drinking my hot chocolate I like to do this show late at night because you know I got nothing to do late at night I'm not saying I got a lot to do today but I also like to be like this lazy kitty laying on the ground so anyways Thank you guys for listening and viewing. So, last week's show, and and Julia, like I said, this is going to be pretty much the exact same show from last night, except I I changed the shirt, that's all. But, um, so, last week, I talked about Aliens. And I talked about, uh, are they here and, and did they have an effect on us and did they manipulate us like the movie Prometheus? And, uh, what I mean by that is like, did they splice DNA and did they manipulate our bodies like we're doing to other things now? And, um, 
I couldn't, uh, there was, there's a timeline of all of these, you know, Homo erectus and uh, cavemen. And at a certain time, uh, there was like eight different version of cavemen. And uh, at a certain time, one of these cavemen just broke out and they were, how do I say it? They were, uh, they were, they evolved faster than everybody else. And when they did that, it was, uh, it was, it, it was called the missing link. Okay. So Darwin said, basically, you know, he figured, uh, in origins of the species that, you know, he, yes, he believed in evolution, but he also believed that there was something missing. And so for me, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's gotta be this, this alien splicing like CRISPR DNA. And I couldn't think of any other, you know, explanations. And I was watching this documentary about mushrooms and, uh, and, uh, it was all about how these mushrooms have this infrastructure underneath the, the soil that is like an internet, like how we're talking now. Uh, and it, the internet works from like tree to tree and like plant to plant. And the point of that is, uh, it, it, basically these, these mushrooms can, can give nutrients and send messages to trees that say there's three trees or four trees all in, you know, like a row. And, uh, one of the trees is lacking, you know, you know, some kind of nutrients. One of the trees can talk to the other three trees and they can all send their nutrients to that tree through the power of mushrooms. So the caveman started eating mushrooms at a particular time. And when he did that, these are wild mushrooms. It completely changed the structure of his brain. So, uh, you know, a part of this show is me wanting to figure out, are there aliens? What are the proof of aliens? Why are we here? And even if there are aliens, who created the aliens? But knowing that the mushrooms could alter the DNA of the caveman and make us, you know, quickly evolve uh, is, is a very great uh, theory as well. So I totally want to believe in aliens and I do. I believe there's species out there that, that, you know, are probably like us. Uh, and I do believe in panspermia and I do believe that we are related to everything and, and what does it all mean? But, uh, I really need more proof of this genetic gene DNA splicing and, uh, before, I jump to conclusions and I think that's what a lot of people do. They jump to a lot of conclusions and, and yes, we all want to be on that alien trip. And I do a thousand percent. Like I, I want to be the king of, of the alien, you know, believers, but, uh, I need the total proof. And the only proof that I've, I've seen, you know, besides all the, the, the total endless footage of, of documentaries is the, uh, the recent CIA stuff that has, uh, slipped out. And, uh, or not CAA, but government videos that have, have, uh, shown like drone like things that have flown just completely fast, like 20 miles, 20,000 miles per hour, you know? So 
we don't have that capability. That's not even part of what the humans are up to right now. So my point is I want to be open-minded on this show. I don't want to be closed-minded. And uh, I like learning. And that's the coolest thing for me is like knowing, oh, these mushrooms had such a big effect on the ecosystem and ourselves that we are part of that. Part of their ecosystems is part of us as well, which just blows my mind. And it started to make me think uh, differently about how I communicate with humans, how I communicate with my cat, how I communicate with the trees. Uh, I'm not trying to be a hippie, but you know, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, we are, we came from this, we came from nature, we came from mushrooms, we came from, the, we are part of all that. So, uh, when you get those little, you know, like when someone's staring at you from across the room, where did that come from? You know, probably the same way that you're listening to me now, just at a different resonancy or frequency that we are kind of beginning to understand. So... You know, if you guys have proof of aliens, please send it. I, I, that's why I stay alive, you know? I think I talked about, uh, in one of my shows, talking about suicide, and I'm like, the biggest reason I never killed myself is because I wanted to see where the Star, Star Wars direction was going to go. So ironically, ironically, this is going to be about Star Trek. So this show is going to be about Star Trek today. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. I'm your host, Jimmy Lewis, 11 minutes in, but uh, let's get into the, uh, to the main topic. As I take another sip of my hot chocolate. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise to seek out life in new civilizations, to go boldly go where no man has gone before. Star Trek. Star Trek is one of the, the most influential things in, I would say, mankind today. And why is that? What What is the reason that uh, Star Trek is so big? What, why is it a multi, you know, like a billion dollar corporation? Why is it up there with Star, Star Wars? Where did it come from? What does it mean? What does it all mean? Before we dissect that, though, I want to talk about some of the news that went down this week in the Star Trek world. Uh, ironically, we had Captain Kirk, William Shatner, launched up in space. A 90-year-old man. 
oldest man ever to be in space, which I think is fascinating, and it did scare me. I was worried about Captain Kirk. I really was. And when he came down, and I, I saw the the footage of him and, and Jeff Bezos and 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 Captain Kirk getting ready to just tell this great story about how this going to space, you know, saved his life, and then Jeff Bezos all of a sudden decided to, uh, you know, basically pour some champagne on him. It was very depressing. Or not on him, but, you know, shoot the champagne like it was a race car driver, race race car experience, and, and bringing these girls, and it just got super weird for me, and, and I was like, man, come on. You would, you would really want, you know, Captain Kirk to just give the speech that, that you would like to hear. You know, that life-changing speech. Because obviously something changed for him at that point. And uh, it was just crazy. Jeff, Jeff Bezos is just a Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor of, uh, of the space, space industry. So, uh, anyways, that was an insane Star Trek news. And then we have George Takei, Sulu, saying uh, that... What did he say? He said uh, that that Captain Kirk is basically a guinea pig, you know, and uh, he's boldly going where man has gone before, which I was like, whoa, what's going on with Sulu? Or do they have a, a feud? It obviously sounds like it, you know, and, and those guys are too old to have a feud. Come on, this this is crazy. Like, there's not too many people left in the, in the Star Trek universe, right? There's like Ahura, there's like... Sulu, Captain Kirk, you know, like, I mean, of course there's tons from, from the next gen and, and the current, you know, current series of things, but, uh, still the fact that it started in the sixties is crazy. So when I first started watching Star Trek, I was like eight years old and I used to spend the night at my, my grandfather's house, my grandmother's house a lot. And he would be in this rocking chair He'd rock back and forth, and, and I would sit and, and watch Star Trek with him. And he would be just super into it, and I was super into it. And it seeing these, you know, concepts of space and, and Klingons and just different green people and just different, you know, universes and just different planets, all these things, you know, made me want to of course, be an astronaut. Who who didn't want to be an astronaut, you know? And so, uh, that influenced me forever, you know? Just, I, I've always been fascinated by space and I've always been fascinated on, you know, is there a different civilization? Are there different people out there? You know, are they like us? Uh, are they not like us, you know? And are they peaceful? Are they non-peaceful? What, what are they, you know? And, and what does it all mean? And, uh, so to have that family bonding with my grandfather was great. And, and then I find out later that he used to do the same thing with my, with my aunt. So, you know, I was around in the eighties. So in the sixties, he used to watch these same shows with his daughter. And I think that's fascinating how it's just passed down and, and it's still passed down. And, uh, I, I've always loved it. I've, I think everything about it, you know, from the teleporters to the communicators to just just boldly going where no man has gone before is just I think it, it says a lot 
and I think it, it totally has an effect uh, on uh, the technology and the way that we try to uh, try to make our world now, which is which is interesting. So I'm going to go off on a random rabbit hole, which uh, this is this is this is from, of course, Ancient Aliens uh, episode eight, season eleven, I think, and they talk about this military channeling experiment with this uh, scientist named like Buharish. And this guy, he started to create these fields, uh, these magnetic fields, and they were kind of like cages. And they would set off different frequencies of, uh, you know, electronic, you know, rays or whatever that might be. And, uh, and these people would go inside and they would go into these channeling type, um, you know, channeling, whatever you would call them, astro, astro, astrophysical, you know, telepathic, you know, ways. And they would start to open up and then they, they started to say that they would hear, you know, voices and, and like uh, some of the, the people said that they heard like nine voices and these nine voices were like the nine voices of like the disciplines of the universe or something like that. Like, like basically the laws of the universe and something like they were in control of, of what's happening in the universe. And so one of the, the people asked them what the person's name was and they said, Adam, and then one of the scientists figured out that that was an ancient Egyptian god. And they're like, oh, Adam. And then what gets crazy is the, the ancient Egyptian gods had uh, nine, like, actual, you know, heads of their uh, community so, or, or gods. They're, they're nine gods. So that, that all checked out. So these things were getting kind of, you know, strange. And these other civiliz civilizations had all these things about nine. And you know, Tesla was all fascinated about 369. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that there's things that have to deal with, with the number nine. You know, the Beatles, number nine, number nine, number nine. Uh, the Aztecs gods, they had nine gods. Um, Buddhists had nine unknown Buddhist, uh, like monks and who else? The Greeks, they also had nine gods that oversaw humanity. So all of this is, it's back to that number nine. What, what the hell, you know, like mathematics, you know, there's, there's keys in mathematics. So in saying that, uh, once these tests started going well, uh, and they started hearing these weird psychic visions, they started inviting different people, uh, to talk to these individuals and uh, one of the people was like uh, 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 a student of Nikola Tesla. Uh, his name was like John John J. Hammond. He was he went to one of these uh, experiments. Uh, Gene Roddenberry. He went, uh, and there were there was there was people at these experiments. And when they went, they would they would hear these things, and and I don't know if they were writing them down or what, but. A lot of people said that what Gene Roddenberry wrote came from these these sessions with these nine 
disciples of the universal law and they were trying to give him you know knowledge and trying to help humanity which it, it it's pretty fascinating you know and when i heard that on ancient aliens a couple of seasons ago i was like that is just it's far out but all of a sudden you start to put the, the pieces together and now that the years have gone by i'm like wait a minute you know think about it we have you know communicators we you know we have we have we have phones we have we have these things that we used to see on the screen that are real now and it's just any day now we'll have a warp drive and i know that sounds far-fetched and and you know ridiculous but it's just true and these these ideas were once just movie fascinations or tv you know gimmicks but it really wasn't it, it must have come from somewhere and at that point i wonder is the the uh the disciple of nine real are those nine gods you know the overseers and like i don't know if you guys have been watching the what if series from marvel i i love i love marvel and one of the uh things is the watchers you know like there's this watcher and he watches over the multiverse and he can't he can't intervene it's the same thing these nine these nine gods sound like the watchers and to me is that just you know people that are more intelligent than us that are overseeing us and we're mistaking them for gods you know and do they just exist on different levels kind of like the watcher does in marvel what if if you guys haven't seen what if it's it's a great great uh, great show julie is watching this going how does he do this this is like the exact same show from yesterday yeah the klingons cut us off yesterday so um so yes is is was star trek given to us directly from a different you know consciousness did somebody perceive you know did somebody tap into the universal consciousness uh, a long distance you know mushroom connection like i said like we don't know how deep those connections of those mushrooms go with us and, and i feel that it it probably that's one of the secrets to um that that uh when you're when you're uh, those two things entanglement entanglement i wonder if the mushrooms have to do with entanglement you know because entanglement is when you know two things exist at the same time and they're they, they go to different places and they're still existing as one you know and they can still fill each other i, I wonder if that's part of you know the fungi so i don't want to don't want to uh, go too far off on the the fungi but back to star trek there's such a diverse cast you know we we have sulu we have ohuru we have Worf, we have uh, kirk you know we have spock who is my favorite character of all spock was just leonard nimoy was just the most incredible uh role model growing up as a kid when, when i was a kid i really looked up to spock in every facet because he was part vulcan and part human and you know he was always trying to figure himself out and i think that's as a kid that's what you're even as an adult that's what you're trying to do you're trying to figure yourself out you know at different stages in your life what am i what am i now you know what was i then 
you know, what am I right now? And I think that's what Spock was always trying to figure out, you know, and, and that's why I really, uh, you know, respected Leonard Nimoy. And, and he seemed like a great guy, you know, besides just the, uh, the Spock role, you know, Leonard Nimoy as a human being seemed like a very decent person, you know, and, uh, so I think it, you know, when you get older, why would you, you know, back to the Sulu and, and Kirk, why would you argue? Why would you, why would you have such hostility toward your friends? But who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day we'll get to ask, uh, ask them that. But Spock is so, uh, Spock is so known that the, the, the live long and prosper is an emoji, okay? When you've made it to an emoji, when you're a friggin' emoji, like, you've made it in life. I will never be an emoji. Look, David Bowie's an emoji. I think there's a Purple Rain emoji. Spock's an emoji. That, to me, is more important than, uh, you know and being a movie star so <laughs> so what's crazy about it is you know there there is of course you know I I've been watching Star Trek the last all weekend you know that's the cool thing I get to do about you know when I do these podcasts I get to just research and when I was younger when I was uh, I think about 11 or 12 no, no, probably about 15. I, I had the box, this box set of the movies, and it was like one, two, three, four, five. I think maybe, no, I think it was the first five. And uh, I would just watch them on New Year's Eve. You know, I would have nothing to do, and I'd be with a friend, and uh, we would just watch, try to watch them all and stay up to watch, all, you know, 10 hours of, uh, maybe 11 hours of, of Star Trek, and we could never get through it. We'd always you know, fall asleep before the New Year's, but that was, that was half the fun, you know, so Star Trek was always there, and, uh, you know, I think it's interesting how people are just like, oh, it's either Star Wars or Star Trek, for me, it's both, you know, I, I love them both equally, uh, not equally, I will say that I love Star Wars probably 60, and I love, you know, 60, 40 Star Trek, but, that's just because, uh, they're, they're just two different universes, and, uh, they're, 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 they're massive on their own, you know, they, they both have such a, a, a galactic story that, you know, and, and, and it all has to do with, with pretty much fighting good, you know, and, uh, I love the next generation getting into the 90s, like 80s, 90s, like late 80s, 90s, the next generation was just a blessing for everyone, you know, because I think the original Star, Star Trek only lasted three seasons, and it, it didn't catch on right away, and, and it got canceled, and so to bring that back later uh, was great. And then that led into, you know, movies. And then that's where I kind of fit in. Once those movies started, you know, I was really into it. I used to go to the movie theater to see all those, uh, you know, I re the, the first movie I remember seeing in the theater was uh, Star Trek was Star Trek Four, where they were rescuing, you know, the, the whales. And they were uh, in the 80s and, and, you know, we were in the 80s at the time. And, and it was just, it was great because I must have been 12, 
you know, to see, see that magic on the stream, to see Spock trying to hide his Vulcan ears on, on Earth and seeing, seeing beatboxers and seeing, seeing shit that I was used to was just like, it was awesome, you know, and they always had a little bit of um, humor to it, you know, and uh, humanity in it. And uh, that's what I loved about it. it, it of course, it, there was seriousness about it, but there was also just lighthearted humor to it especially in the 80s uh, versions. They were great, even in the 90s. You know, I, I just loved it. The rapport that, that Spock and, uh, you know, and Captain Kirk would all, always have, they would just have this, you know, like Kirk always wanted to just be wild and, and Spock would always just try to calm him down and, and keep him keep level-headed. But they loved each other like brothers, you know? So it was, it was cool. So uh, I think the memorable part was, you know, going back to the New Year's Eve is... The, the first few movies was when, you know, Spock passed away and, and he said that, that memorable line, like, uh, the need of the few or the need of the many outweigh the, the need of the few and, or the one and, uh, the need of the many outweigh the few of the one. And, uh, that's just totally true, you know, and hence the vaccination. I know this is stupid and, you know, but I didn't know if I was going to live or die when I got that vaccination, but I didn't want to like get anybody else sick and I work out in the public and I was like man I deliver to old folks you know I deliver to old folks homes I hope I don't get them sick so I was like you know what fuck it if I die from a needle in my arm because I'm trying to help old people well then that's my karma but I didn't so and I hope that nobody died because of that so my point is yes Spock was right and when he went in to save you know the Enterprise and he was basically radiated away and killed. And, and, you know, that was a powerful scene. And being super young, seeing that, oh, that was, that was intense. So Star Trek definitely has a emotional content to it and great stories and just great characters. And I think that's what makes a strong 60 year, you know, like I, I don't see a time when Star Trek won't exist. You know, I think the, the franchise will keep going and keep going and keep going. And not just because of the money aspect, but because it's got a great story. And if it is from that magnificent nine that, you know, is telling us, you know, how we should be living our lives, then we're stoked. You know, if, the, if this is how they communicate, which would be so random, you know, making a TV series to teach us how to live. You know, kind of like the overseers would do. It makes sense because there's like the prime directive in, uh, you know, Star Trek where like you're not allowed to mess with civilizations that like haven't reached a certain point. And I feel that that's probably true with us. And just the fact that there's this Canadian prime minister that uh, retired that clearly said that he knew that there was a galactic federation that wants to, sh you know, introduce itself to us, but we are not ready. And he is completely public about this. You can look him up. Just Canadian prime minister talks about aliens disclosure. This guy's legit. Like he, he worked for the, the, he was the Canadian defense minister. Like you can't get any more legit than that. So, um, yeah, yeah. And as of, uh, this is just a little side tangent, you know, uh, I love the Demi Lovato's uh, little 
you know, talk about, you know, the reason aliens aren't coming here is because we're calling them aliens. And I think that if we went to another planet, we would be alien to them. And that's the kind of concept of alien. It's, it's what's alien to you, you know? So I think we're all family and I, I get what she's saying and that totally makes sense. But until we really, you know, make the, the contact and realize that we are family, uh, and people don't want to eat us, you know, then, then I think that that's, it's a good, good, good way to stand back. But yeah, so last night we totally got canceled. I, I, uh, I had about a, a illegal aliens. Von Gotti says, yes, right. Can you imagine, can you imagine illegal aliens? And that's the one thing I loved about Star Trek, just how, uh, you know, everyone just blended together so much, you know, and even Star Wars, it's just, it's just, it's, it's all, that's how the universe really is. And, and to see us on earth worrying about, you know, white power and fucking all these stupid racist people, you know, not realizing that like, man, in the future, you're going to be seeing fucking green people, you're going to be seeing blue people, and you're going to, like, you're going to, like, regret the day that, you know, that you you complain, because I think we're all beautiful, you know, and I can't wait to see somebody that's just, you know, different from a human being, you know, because we're all human beings, so... No immigrants that come to the U.S. are called illegal aliens. If you want my opinion on this, I will tell you this. I don't know what comedian it was, but he was like, what, what is an illegal alien? Like, uh, we're on this rock, right? I'm just paraphrasing. And say you were born on this part of the rock and all of a sudden you want to just go visit this part of the rock and stay on that part of the rock for a while. That makes you an illegal alien? Oh, no, no. Just stay on your part of the rock. You need to stay right here because why? Because of it doesn't make any sense. So I truly don't believe in borders. I don't believe in, um, like I said, I think we're all human beings. Yes, we are all aliens. We were, I was talking about that before, the Prometheus theory, where, where we uh, spawned by aliens or was it the mushrooms? These are my two theories as of now mushrooms or or aliens and at that point are we trying to get back to them and if we do get back to them are we worthy enough to be like this kind of like clone army that uh say uh say uh you know order 66 style you know if you think about it there's like seven trillion uh, eight trillion of us what type of economic system would be the best in an alien society or in this society, I I feel, you know, as an economics, I think that's that's one thing. This is totally off subject, but you know, I think that's what's causing more wars than than everything. You know, is is the economic system, and I feel that uh, things are changing so quickly with technology that sooner or later, that the actual dollar bill won't really be tangible. And uh, you know, I think that that these different cryptocurrencies and these different Bitcoin currencies are going to become more legitimate because they already are through uh, different governments. And that's where we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see if there's actual wars 
with these these countries, you know, because I know there's one country right now that's legitimizing Bitcoin. And let's see if all of a sudden there's a war in that country or does it start to spread, you know, and that's where things get sticky, you know. So what's up, Travis? You know, so it, the next 20, 30 years are definitely going to be interesting in the world market and how the Internet and how Bitcoin and how just cryptocurrency and the real world works. You know, I'm going to do a whole special on that. Uh, I, I have a friend that he's a, he's a bit minor guy and he uh, he's he actually has rigs and he makes tons of money doing this. And and I don't under, I didn't understand it fucking thing and he started to tell me how it works and you know i will get into a whole special about that but uh yeah it is definitely a dictatorship when when countries go in and they won't let you start to uh you know create your own way because you know i think it was ghost face killer it was a ghost face he has his own cryptocurrency and what if what if he wants to make his own money why can't ghost face what if i want to pay in things and ghost face killer money who says I can't, you know, and that's where it is crazy when they just try to dictate these, these rules of, you know, Hey, you know, and, and that's a whole different subject, but it fits into the, the Star Trek world because you got to think there's so many, you know, on a mass level of Star Trek, there's all these, you know, just different political ploys and, 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 you know, you have the Romulans doing this and you have the Klingons doing this. It's the same thing. Just we're just these people here. So, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Star Trek and Star Wars are definitely just a bigger reflection of how we are as a culture. And if we don't change these things, you know, sooner or later, we're going to be wiped out, you know. So, uh I think money, we should have figured that out a long time ago. I really like the Native American way of bartering, you know, like, uh, you know, of course I like my guitars and I like my records and stuff like that. But if I can come to your house and like work on your car or work on your fucking whatever, and then you give me a record, I like that. But, uh, you know, I, I feel that we're in such a materialistic society that that's going to change eventually. And, uh, like I said, you know, who knows what's going to happen. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the, the, the world and, and money in the next, you know, 20 to 30 years. So, heck yeah. I don't know if I have any more. Uh, I think I might be all out of Star Trek. And I think this is what happened yesterday, too. So I'm not going to stay on too much longer. If you guys have any more just straight questions about Star Trek about, you know, capitalism, <laughs> as Van Gotti uh, said, you know, well, quickly, you know, we have a lot of wars that are just completely started out of that, you know, uh, you know, people going into, uh, you know, other countries and just destabilizing them, you know, after, after, this is what I heard, after World War II, our, the U.S. government said they never wanted to have another World War again, so the way that they were going to uh, start to fight wars is just to economically destabilize certain people and that's really what they do so it's fighting a war without fighting a war you know and and then spending all the uh, money on defense 
for like the USS Enterprise, which could be the USSS Enterprise. It all goes back, it all goes back. So, all right. I don't know if I have anything more. Like I said, this might be it. Oh my God, I wanted, uh, this is Sue. Oh my God, I wanted to uh, open a house and stay for trading, stay there. Hold on, and force trade there would help pay for being there like a plumber or a roofer. Exactly, right? The, I had a best friend. He uh, he stayed in this hotel for probably 15, 20 years, and, and that's what he did. He uh, he just fixed the place. He was the maintenance dude. He's like my best friend. I love him to death, and I helped him run the place for a little while, and it was just awesome. He didn't have to pay rent, and he was in control of the whole deal. He had this whole downstairs area, and it was amazing, and he was needed. And like, even when they sold the place that he lived in, the same people needed him because they didn't have the information that he had. And sometimes that information is just priceless, and that person was priceless. And when he, you know, went away, believe me, that building suffered. And, you know, when I went away, it suffered too. The real war is our government, not our economics. Well, my friend, they're, they're, that's the whole thing. The, the war stems from the economics, you see? Like, they, that, that's the, the reason that we have war is because, you know, we, we want to be at the top. And when you have war, what does that do? That increases military spending, that, that, that our budget, we can, we can all of a sudden pass laws to, to, oh no, we've got a threat over here. So we better get trillions of dollars to, to, you know, make sure that we don't have that threat. And it's all about money. You just have to follow the money. The, the politicians are greedy, just like everybody else. It's greed, it's power. It's not just America, it's fucking everywhere. And, and I think that's what people, what does it all mean? Is it the power? Is that what the people want? Is it the money? Is it the greed? What is it? Because there's gotta be a point where you look in the mirror and go like, man, I just wanna do better for mankind instead of just, do I need a fucking another golden toilet? You know, none of that shit matters, you know, and I think at the end of people's lives, they start to realize that, but, uh, as their strive for, to climb the, the corporate ladder and the, and the bullshit of life that, that everyone tries to make you believe, you know, it's not real, you know, uh, look at, look at John Luke Picard, you know, he's, he was peaceful and, and his, uh, I'm watching, I'm watching Picard. It's a great, great, uh, great show, by the way. And, uh, you know, yes, he's, he was peaceful until there was a galactic disturbance. So anyways, I don't want to get too far off on uh, economics and the government, but definitely economics, war, it's all the same. Believe me, if you think that there's any difference, they, they all, they're all chasing that dollar bill. That's all it's about. Going, going to Afghanistan to, you know, basically steal oil and, and take, de decriminalize these people or destabilize these people. You know, it's, it's the whole thing. It's the whole thing, you know, and, but that's not what Star Trek's about. But like I said, there are politics in Star Trek. So that's what makes it interesting. So anyways, it would be called a Harmony House. Definitely. I agree. Uh, and ironically, I had, you know, believe me, people are coming up with different ways of, of coming at life. You know, I, I had this lady and she, she said to me, she had all these boxes delivered and I go, what are these boxes? And she's like, uh, they're like earthquake, you know, like if the world ends, I've got tons of food and everyone in the neighborhood can come. And she's like, now that, you know, 
you know about it. You can come, bring your guitar. We need a musician and you can live with us and eat food. And I was like, dude, like, I know that sounds crazy, but I swear to God, I would. Like, if, if all of a sudden I needed food and shit was crazy, I would bring my guitar and she was serious. She needs entertainment. So that would be my strength, right? I could do that. And then someone over here can cook and someone over there, like, you know, I just believe in, in uh, you know, People laugh at this place called Leisure World in, in, in Laguna Hills, but man, all these these older people get together and they just they do shit that they like to do. And when you find your generation, that's that's you know where it's at. Hell yes, Julian says she's live. Li we're live at the London Palladium right now. Hell yes, that's rad. I hope you have the best time with Richard Ashcroft. You guys are rad. I think I'm gonna end it because I don't know if this is going to. Um, What's the word it going to uh, be taken out by the Klingons like it was yesterday? So I want to thank all of you for listening. It's been a pleasure. This is What Does It Mean podcast. And uh, until next week. And thank you, Julia. Have fun. Have fun.